Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Catholics with Bibles, the podcast dedicated to empowering Catholics to read, interpret, and pray with sacred scripture with the eyes of faith and reason. I am your host, Chase Krause. Let's dive in. Here we are, team. We have made it. This is the last chapter of our Bible study on First and Second Thessalonians, and it's been a it's been a ride, y'all. It's been a good time. I uh, hope you've enjoyed this Bible study. I really hope that uh, it has uh, brought you closer to Jesus Christ in some way and help you grow in your knowledge of of your faith and of Scripture and of Him who is our Redeemer. Um, and so, uh, Bible studies like this are just a really a one they're a joy to do for me. Um, you know, obviously doing this Bible, doing this podcast, Catholics with Bibles. I mean, uh, while I do really love uh, talking about biblical theology and different ways we need to, different things we need to consider when interpreting scripture, um, in which we're, which we're going to do again, like literally next week, we're going to start doing some more uh, conceptual stuff again. Um, but at the same time, I'm always going to be trying to pull us back to really just studying the text, right? Studying the sacred word, uh, and because this is this is just a huge f- font of grace and wisdom, um, and so this, these Bible studies, um, which is what I love to do. I hope you've been really enjoying them. Hoping you've been really uh, being able to connect more with Scripture. I know for a lot of people that I work with, a lot, especially a lot of youth and young adults, and adults too, just everybody, people that I work with in general. Um, you know, it's it's it can be really hard to connect with Scripture you know, to relate to scripture because every, I mean, so often if you, unless you've studied the old Testament and the new Testament, you know, sometimes you read something and you're like, I literally have no idea what that means. Or if it's supposed to mean something else, am I supposed to take this literally? Am I supposed to take this figuratively, you know, and all that kind of good stuff. And uh, so studying scripture and looking at, you know, the historical uh, old Testament background of like, what are the, what are they referencing to? What are they keeping in mind here? You know, is this literal? Is this, um, you know, is this a hyperbole? Is this an allegory? Is this, you know, a parable? Like, you know, all these different things we have to consider. Um, and so once again, I just hope you've been enjoying these, uh, this Bible study series. Uh, like I said, next week, we're going to dive into some more topical subjects and I'm hoping to bring a few more guests on the show just to spice things up. And, um, and then we're going to eventually dive back into another Bible study. If there are any books that you want to study in particular, go ahead and uh, shoot me an email, reach out to me. Um, you can go to stteresa.org. You can find my contact information there. It's the parish I work at, uh, which is who parish sponsors this podcast. So um, yeah, shoot me an email if you have any requests for certain books of the Bible that you're really struggling with, that you want to study more, that you want to understand more, or even certain topics of, of, of scripture or, you know, you know, the prophets or the historical books or the Torah or, you know, the wisdom literature or apocalyptic literature. I mean, there's so many different things that we can do and that we are going to do. Um, but at the same time, I want to make sure we're, we're studying things that you want to know about, that you want to hear about, that you want to learn more about, um, and not just things that I think are interesting and cool. Uh, even though, you know, I do that anyway, because all of the scripture is pretty interesting and cool to me. Even the really boring books, um, <laughs> uh, like Leviticus uh, and Deuteronomy and all these things, it's fascinating if you if you understand them in, in their proper context. So with all that being said and done, we got to get into the Greek word of the day. The Greek word of the day today is poneru. So poneru is uh, our Greek word of the day. So it means uh, evil. It could also mean evil one. It's in our text today. And it's also uh, the same word that's uh, in our father, which we're going to get to in a little bit, why that 
is relevant and why that's important for us. Uh, so as always, let's go ahead and dive right on in here to Second Thessalonians chapter 3. We read, Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored, as happened among you, that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. All right, cool. Um, so this is, like I said, the last chapter. Um, but if you guys remember back in First Thessalonians, there was a, also another uh, the end, near the end, it said, finally. Um, and we talked about how that word actually doesn't, one doesn't have to be translated finally, and it probably shouldn't be translated finally. Same here. Um, the word there um, is uh, loipon um, in Greek, and it, it can be translated finally, um, but more probably it's translated, it should be translated as, as for other matters. And the reason we know that is because in First, first Thessalonians in here, uh, he says it, and then he has a couple more points. Like it's not, he doesn't end. Um, <laughs> and so uh, here we could, we could almost read it as, as for the other matters, brothers, pray for us. And he kind of goes on um, because after this uh, first five verses of, of chapter three, he goes on to his second uh, major issue that he's, he's going to be addressing in this letter, uh, which is a warning against idleness. But before we dive into that, just, you know, briefly looking at verse five here, um, you know, there's a, I mean, a lot of it's pretty obvious. Um, so, you know, Paul's asking, you know, for prayers uh, that he may continue to do good work. And, and just on a, a spiritual personal note, um, what we can learn from St. Paul is remembering to ask people to pray for you. You know, I think this is almost a taboo thing to do nowadays, um, especially if you're just not talk, used to talking about prayers in general or, or Jesus in general. Um, this is something that I'll be honest, I, I kind of forget to do too. And, um, I, I forget to ask people to pray for like me and my family and like our situations and, and the things that, you know, we do. And, um, but if St. Paul can do it, um, then we should do it too. You know, asking for the humility to admit that you need prayers, even if it's not like a super struggle or anything like that, even if it's not some drastic thing, um, putting yourself in a, in a position to receive prayers from others to receive graces to um to it's, it's an act of humility right like hey pray for me like pray for my family or pray for the situation that we're in um i think this is an extreme act of humility and it's a practice that we should learn from saint paul and do right um and you know it's hard because i mean i don't know about you but there's been so many times for me people have asked me to pray for them and i'm like oh yeah, yeah totally i'll pray for you blah, blah blah and then i totally forget to pray for them and I can't even count how many times I've done that. And so literally what I, what I do now is like in my personal prayer, I was like, I asked the Blessed Mother, I'm like, Mother Mary, please pray for all those people that I've promised to pray for because I don't remember all of them and there's a lot. Um, and so uh, Mother Mary, I trust you and I trust the fact that you know more and better than I who all I've promised to pray for and what they need prayers for better than I. And so please pray for them and kind of just entrusting our prayers to Mary in that way. Um, and so moving on, uh, the interesting thing here, I think the most interesting is, is verse three, but the Lord is faithful. 
He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And so the reason this is interesting is because it sheds lights on the Our Father. You know, Our Father is Matthew 6. It's in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. He says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's the modern translation. But it's can be translated, and I think it should be translated, as the evil one. Um, it's the same, it's literally the same exact word here. And so the reason, the thing we have to understand is that in Greek, sometimes things are assumed. They're like filled in. Uh, for example, uh, the word the, the word the is not always in the Greek. There is a, def, a definite article um, and an indefinite article in, in Greek. Um, ha is like ha karyos is the Lord, right? Um, which is a definite article. And that, that is there. Um, that is a lot, but not always, right? There's places in the Greek where it's not, it's not necessary, I should say, to have the definite article like it is in the English. Um, the, it just in Koine Greek, which is the New Testament was written in, uh, the definite article wasn't always necessary. It wasn't always used. It was just understood. And like that, um, when, it, when it comes to um, nouns and who they apply to and ad, adjectives and all these things, a lot of the times uh, the person was implied by the gender of the verb um, and, and so, or gender of the noun. Uh, so in English, we don't really have this. Um, we don't have... Um, that's not part of their language, but uh, in the tons of other languages, romantic languages especially, there, there's this still idea of uh, gender, right? Every, uh, so that we know who the verb is applying to or who, who the you know, adjective is, is applying to. And so in the Greek, a lot of the times, um, this was assumed um, and it was, you kind of you filled it in. And so same with the Our Father and same, it's the same word here. It's, it's poneru, it's, it's evil, but it could be translated evil one. Um, it could, and so you can do this a lot with, in Greek. Um, it, the the evil man, the evil woman, the evil one. Uh, it's 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 an assumed like filler, but it's not. It doesn't literally say the word the Greek word one uh, because in Greek for the Greeks it just wasn't necessary. That wasn't something they thought they needed to do at all times. Um, and so it in the Our Father it should clarify things for us because. I think a lot of people, they pray the Our Father and they're like, why would God like deliver us not into temptation, but to, you know, deliver us from evil? Uh, is God like, you know, trying to like bring us into evil? Like is, is you know, is he allowing us to be evil, blah, blah, blah. But the, the literal, I mean, the better translation is deliver us from the evil one, right? The evil one, namely uh, Satan, right? The one who fell. And so this, this should help you because at the, our father, it's, it's a, it's a perfect prayer. I mean, it's literally, it's the prayer that Jesus taught us. Jesus knowing of our constant spiritual warfare, the spiritual battle we have with the enemy. And it is, a, it's a, it's a battle, right? And Jesus is at, is telling us that when we pray, we should ask for the grace to fight well. Um, and for the father to deliver us from the, the wickedness and snares of the devil. And so, Paneru, it's the same word here, and, and here it is, it is translated, he will establish you and guard you against the evil one. Um, and so, and it's the exact same word, exact same kind of phrasing in, the, in the Our Father. And so the Our Father, is it, and delivers not into, er, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil 
one. Um, don't be weird though with this and like start saying it during mass, like evil one, like and saying it really loud so everybody knows. Um, like just just know that's what, that's what it means. Uh, don't be that person. Um, it just 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 know that hopefully that just clarifies you that, that just a bit more about the Our Father. Um, all right, cool. So with all that being said, we get into namely the second issue of of Second Thessalonians, the second reason why. Um, this letter was written, and it's, it's a section, uh, in my Bible, it's, it's labeled warning against idleness. And so we read, Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. For you ourselves, for you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor, we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have the right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some of you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busybodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and earn their own living or to eat their own bread, depending on your translation. Um, okay, so yeah, so th- I mean, this, this passage is pretty, I think, straightforward, but the context, though, is, uh, presumably is that, because um, this was also brought up in, in 1 Thessalonians, and it was also apparently brought up when St. Paul was with the Thessalonians in their community, namely that um, we... We read in Acts, and we know from the history of the church that early on in the church, uh, Christians lived in community. They had shared like communal property, communal living. Um, the rich gave what they had to the poor, um, and all these things. And so, presumably, we can, and this is a bit of an assumption here, but I think the logic follows, is that there were Christians in these communities who took advantage of this shared living situation. Um, and because they knew they were going to get food and because they knew they were going to have a roof over their heads, they then decided like, well, I'm just not going to work. And so, and and so we have to be careful though with this, right? Um, this is not in any way St. Paul condemning, uh, the poor and the homeless, right? Because that would literally contradict like everything that Jesus says. And even St. Paul says in other places, um, and the Old Testament says, like, you know, make sure you're taking care of the, the orphan and the widow and, and those that are, you know, downtrodden, basically. And the one word that we have to zoom in on is, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Not if they're not able to work, but not willing to work. So, it, and so there's been some, there actually have been some Christians in history who have taken this passage and used it to... And, uh, They've interpreted in such a way to where um, to not to take money away from like the welfare services uh, from the government and from the church and basically saying like, well, if they're not willing to work, they're not, they shouldn't be, so we shouldn't help them, blah, 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 blah. And that is like, that's not how we translate this, uh, this passage. And there's not a lot of, of places in scripture where the church will give definitive interpretations. Um, but this is actually one of them. Um, and uh, this is this passage here. It, it should be interpreted as the, the fact that if you're not willing to work, not if you're not able to work. But just because the church usually doesn't, 
directly translates or not translate interpret certain key passages doesn't mean it never has in fact uh, pope pius XI, in his encyclical 1931 uh my latin i can't really it's qua quadragesimo anno quadragesimo anno anyway 1931 uh he warns against uh, the quote the unwarranted and unmerited appeal made by some to the apostle which twists this verse to argue that only the gainfully employed should have access to food, money, and housing. Uh, he says, the apostle is passing judgment on those who are unwilling to work, although they can and ought to. And he admonishes us that we ought diligently to use our time and energies of body and mind and not be a burden to others when we can provide for ourselves. But the apostle in no wise teaching that labor is the sole title to a living or an income. Uh, so Paul directs the lazy to work and everyone else to be generous. So this is not a condemnation of those who cannot work, but rather those who are unwilling to work. And I mean, St. Paul takes this pretty seriously. Like, you know, in, in St. Paul, even he says, you know, I had the right to come in and basically not work to just preach because of my position as an apostle. And I could have just asked for you guys to, to pay for everything, to give me the food. Uh, but I wanted to set an example for you. And that's an example for us too. Like basically don't be lazy, work. Um, <laughs> don't, don't mooch off of others. Um, don't be a moocher. Um, this is, I mean, this is a, almost a self-evident thing now. Um, and it's, it's not even exactly like a supernaturalized principle. It's just something that's almost like common sense and common courtesy, but especially for a disciple of Christ. Um, so don't be lazy. Um, basically, that's what St. Paul is saying here. Don't be lazy. If you can work, you need to work to earn your own way to help out. And also, at the same time, you need to be generous for those who literally can't work. Uh, the sick, the elderly, um, in his case, the orphan and the widow. A lot of times they, they couldn't work. Um, and so, yeah that's, what he's, yeah, that's what he's talking about. Um, and so we get to the end of the letter. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with them, that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Uh, so just stopping here for a moment, you know, elsewhere in scripture, we, we do read of Jesus saying, if you have a disagreement with your brother, try to settle it one-on-one. -on -one. If he doesn't, um, if we can't get uh, agreement, then bring two witnesses. If, he, the, if the agreement's still not made, then bring it to the church, right? Um, and St. Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians too, like casting people out of the church. And I think for a lot of us, that sounds kind of harsh, but for Jesus and for St. Paul, it was never just for the sake of casting them out because the, the community was just like, oh, I don't want to deal with this person anymore. No, it's, it's for the sake of their repentance that you do this, right? You, you, you cast them out of the community, you cut them off to a certain extent in the hopes that they repent and they turn away from their evil ways. So everything, all like the, punishment, if you will, is for the sake of repentance, is for the sake of union eventually, of bringing them back into the fold, back into the graces of God and in the, the arms of the church. Um, so it just says, do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. So this is all for the sake of repentance, all for the sake of bringing them back into the fold. And finally, we end with a, his final benediction. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is a sign of genuineness in every letter of mine. It is the way I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. So remember, St. Paul usually dictates its letters, as most people did in antiquity, um, who were writing letters. It was dictated. Uh, but 
St. Paul is showing his compassion saying, uh, and obviously we can't see the handwriting, so we can't notice the difference, but you know, St. Paul taking the time after dictating this letter to, to leave a little note saying, Hey, like I actually care about you. This is with my own hand. Uh, it, it wasn't just me talking. And then, cause you could have done that, like walking down the street and the scribe could have been following you or whatever. And no, St. Paul says, no, I, t- I thought about this. I took the time. I love you guys. Um, and so, yeah. So second Thessalonians, y'all, we done did it. Um, it it's a short letter, right? Um, Paul reminding them of what he taught that about the end times, namely at the end of the world had not come already, right? They didn't miss the boat. And at the same time, uh, shifting gears, talked about don't be lazy, like get to work. Um, because presumably these are the things that um, the community was directly struggling with. And so St. Paul was trying to address. One thing we always have to remember with St. Paul's letter, um, they're always uh, very specific to the community. He's addressing very specific theological or moral issues. And that's why he writes to these communities. So Thessalonica was no different. Uh, once again, I hope you've enjoyed uh, this Bible study on First and Second Thessalonians. If you missed a couple episodes, always just go back. Obviously, they're going to be here and encourage you to use this knowledge to talk about it, right? Uh, to talk about it, uh, the scripture, what you've learned with uh, your friends and family, those I mean coworkers, whatever it is. Um, remember that we're not made just to study the word. We're made to live the word. We're made to go out and preach the word in our lives by our words and our actions. So once again, thanks for joining us with Catholics and Bibles. God bless y'all. Once again, thank you for joining us with Catholics with Bibles. My name is Chase Krause. Super excited for next week's episode. We're going to dive back into some nitty-gritty theological topics. Once again, share with your fans and family. Share on social media. Give us a review. Give us a like. Do all the things. God bless you guys. Take it easy.